Welcome to the Unplugged Podcast with Debo Zarco, episode 38. Hello, hello, and welcome to another awesome week of the Unplugged Podcast, where we unplug from status quo and shift the paradigm from head to heart by co-creating a more passionate, compassionate, loving, and interconnected world. And you've arrived at the place where you get to hear inspiring interviews with athletes, activists, authors, artists, yogis, and everyday paradigm busters as we journey together into the infinite depths of the human heart to remember, through the power of story, who we all are at the core of our beings. And I'm your status quo crushing host, Debo Zarco, welcoming you to your weekly dose of authentic expression and open-hearted inspiration. And before I really dig in today, I want to thank everyone out there listening for your continued emails of support, as well as your questions and your very wise offerings. It, you know, it just means so much to me and I'm thrilled about the uh, heightened level of engagement. And I've been getting emails from all around the world, all over North America, Europe, Australia, and some really obscure countries that I didn't even know about. So it's very cool. And what's really cool is that we're all in this journey together, regardless of geographic location. So thank you. Keep on listening, keep on emailing, and I would love if you'd also be willing to sign up for my email list, share your comments on the blog, and leave this podcast a rating and review on iTunes so that more people will join us on this journey of passion and compassion. I'm also admitting that you guys are inspiring me to engage more with social media. And I have a little bit of an aversion to social media, but you're waking me up to it. So I'd be thrilled if you would join me on Facebook as well. So find me on Facebook, send me a friend request and, uh, you know, let's play there as well. Why not? Um, I also want to mention that my online store is almost ready and I've got some great t-shirts to offer as well as uh, guided meditations with binaural tones to help you really get into a Zen state and connect to the truth of who you are so that you show up more fully for yourself and by default for everyone else in the world. So stay tuned for all of that coming soon. I'm aspiring to have all of that ready by next week. If and when all of the website programming uh, glitches and, and stuff can be completed by then. So that's, that's my aspiration, my goal. And if you want a preview of the t-shirts, check out last week's blog post on my website at devilsarco.com. And that's episode number 37 with Sylvie Gouin. I included a photo of some of the shirts for you to view at the end of that post. And the reason I mentioned this is because I'm going to be giving away a couple of shirts to a few lucky winners when I reach the magic number of 20 ratings in the Canadian iTunes store and 20 ratings in the American iTunes store. So if you're a Canadian or American listener, write up a review in iTunes for your names to be entered in draw number one, because there's going to be more to come. Now, I also know that there are listeners all over the world. So if you write up an iTunes rating from a country outside of North America, Send me an email at deb at 
and I'll be sure to add your name into the draw as well. And the weird thing about iTunes is that it collects ratings for each country individually rather than picking up on global ratings. So if you visit the iTunes store of a country other than your own, you'll notice that the number of ratings change. Don't ask me why. I don't understand how it works. But I do know that the more ratings there are for podcasts, the more exposure for other listeners. Which, in this case, means that more people are are exposed to the unplugged message of compassion and critical thought. And we all want to see more compassion and critical thought, don't we? So there you have it. Your ranking is a wonderful contribution towards a greater reach for a higher level of consciousness. And that's a great thing for all of us. So with that, we return to our regularly scheduled program. So a question for you. How many people do you know who whine and complain their way through life, refusing to take ownership for the circumstances in their lives, and instead they take on the role of victim to every little thing that isn't just right, I say that in air quotes, right about their life. Now I'm sure we can all think of at least a few of these personality types, if not many more. Maybe a coworker, acquaintance, family member, Sadly, they're everywhere. You know, the energy-sucking vampires with a perpetual case of what I call PMS, or poor me syndrome. Now, personally, I've reached a point in my life where I have extremely limited bandwidth for these types and very quickly invite them to either wake up or move on. I have no time for this type of energy and uh, it, like, it's just such a drain. And I refuse to enter what would only end up being a toxic codependent relationship with a PMS victim. In my world, I'm really protective of my energy so that I can maintain laser focus on my purpose without the distraction and drain of someone who refuses to take ownership for their life. And this is what I call compassionate detachment. So... It's not like, you know, I, I, I don't judge them and I don't think that they're jerks. They just don't see their own potential. So I just, and, and you know, and they're unconscious to it. They move through the world in a very unconscious way. And if they're not willing to, to see their own potential and the beauty in this world, then all I can do really is just wish these people well on their journey with the detached hope that they'll eventually wake up and take charge of their lives and become the somebody that their soul is longing to be. I love to meet people who inspire me. People who really own their lives. You know, all of it. The great stuff as well as the messy stuff. The people who don't pretend to be something that they're not. People who are as comfortable being open and vulnerable with their perceived weaknesses as they are with their own successes. So people who are loving, humble, honest, integrous, caring, passionate, inspiring, and real. People who are open-hearted and awake. And I feel deeply blessed that I have so many people like this in my life and that I continue to meet so many more throughout this podcasting journey. And today's interviewee is no exception. Bryn McLennan is an inspiring woman with a fierce passion for life and a deep conviction in the power of the human heart. 
Bryn is also a, a really determined woman who believes deeply in human potential. And she was introduced to me by my dear friend and very inspiring friend, Sylvie Gouin, who um, actually was just interviewed last week in episode number 37. And Sylvie intuitively knew that Bryn and I had to meet. And when I started snooping around on Bryn's website and watched the short YouTube video about Bryn titled Walking Tall, I was moved to tears. Inspired tears. And that's always a big yes from my soul that I need to meet someone. And I knew that this woman needed to be in my life. You see, at age 11... Bryn was told by doctors to prepare for a life in a wheelchair. But 20 years later, she's still walking and has built a rich life for herself despite a rare form of muscular dystrophy that has robbed her of the ability to stand upright. Now, Bryn is someone who could easily fall prey to poor me syndrome with her current reality. But instead, She refuses to define herself by the disease that has robbed her of what many people take advantage of in today's society, and that's the ability to move freely, uh, uninhibited by the body that is the temple of our souls. Bryn's soul is so vibrant that the body she inhabits does not slow her down. She's a passionate crusader for stem cell therapy, which is an exciting advancement not only for human health, but also for the elimination of archaic and cruel animal testing. So that excites me beyond belief. Like the whole thing just is really exciting that it can, that can help people like Bryn and also eliminate something that should have been eliminated hundreds of years ago. And Bryn also has a profound wisdom that is well beyond her years and her love for life is contagious. So I am deeply grateful to Sylvie for setting up this connection with this absolutely amazing woman and I'm deeply honored to share her essence with everyone listening today. So I'm excited to share today's interview with you all and be prepared to be inspired by a beautiful young woman named Bryn McLennan, who is going to rock your world. Enjoy. I am so honored to have you on this on this podcast. Sylvie has been speaking so so powerfully about you and um, I, you know after seeing your website and going through your videos, I can totally understand why. So so Bryn, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on this journey with you. Yeah, so just I want to start this with some pretty deep gratitude. And it's really nice to be able to look into your eyes, even though I know everybody out there listening is not going to be able to see you. I can see you. And, right. um, you know, they hear me say this, this one phrase that the eyes are the windows to the soul. And I can see your soul. Yeah. <laughs> You're exposed. And that's a good thing. <laughs> So I'm going to start with, uh, with a big question. I always like to start with the, the journey and I want to, um, I'm going to mention again that, you know, I, I've watched your videos and I even, you know, I've been doing a lot of snooping. I saw your brother's beautiful music, musical video for you. And I have been so moved by your passion for life. Like you really exude it. So despite everything that I've seen and read, it's actually quite the opposite. 
So um, I've read some of your words. I've read your website. I've seen your videos and you exude so much optimism for your future as well as, you know, the future of others through your own experiences. So I'm wondering if you can share the journey of how you got from there, so prior to your initial diagnosis, to where you are today with, you know, what you're doing with stem cells for Bryn and what you're doing for Bryn. I would say, you know, to be honest with you, that prior to diagnosis, as a little girl, I was feisty. Um, I didn't really take no for an answer, maybe a little bit too bossy, um, you know, and that was kind of my mentality. Uh, if I can't do it, then I'm going to continue to try and try and try until I accomplish it. It was never just a, no, I can't do this, so I'm going to give up. So having that as kind of my essence of who I was to begin with um, definitely helped me in my diagnosis to not give up and not want to let something, uh, like you said, define me. Call my and call the shots in my life where I'm, you know, succumb to to it. That wasn't gonna that wasn't gonna happen for me. And um, I remember when I was playing hockey and uh, I started to notice that I wasn't able to skate as fast and shoot the puck as hard. And there was no visible deterioration of my muscles at that point, but I wasn't able to do it. So I was asking my body to push. I was asking my body to do something and it wasn't able to do it, wasn't able to fulfill the request with no reason why, right? I mean, that it's kind of like, oh, I hurt my back and it's really sore, so I can't lift that laundry basket. But there, there was nothing. There was nothing that I knew. It was just, I'm not going to do this. My muscles couldn't do it. So at that point, that was a frustrating point for me. So when the diagnosis came, my response was, well, at least we know what it is. So in, once it has a name then we can start to figure out how to overcome it and what are what are our what are our roads here right what are the paths that we can go down in order to make my life better um because unfortunately as, as human beings if we don't have some sort of knowledge or some sort of idea of what something is then our imagination runs wild we get we can get bombarded we can go on google and say we have a sore throat and then we can get so many different reasons of what of what it could possibly be right and um that could cause a spiral of sadness so you know having the the idea, knowing the name of it was just helpful to, to begin the process of healing in my, in my mind, even at 12. So it happened that early at 12. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, when I was born, my right eye didn't tear and they, they it was a blocked tear duct, which is quite common in infants. Um, and then, uh, I was able to run, play hockey, do all the kind of, I was a tomboy, really. I was able to do all that kind of fun stuff, you know? Um, that's one thing that someone always asks me, they're like, what do you miss? Like, do you miss running, walking, being able to go up the stairs? Like, do you miss that? I said, you know what, what I miss is hearing my blades on the ice. That's one sound that makes me go, oh, right. That stopping sound is just that shredding on the ice is something that I, I, I miss. Um, otherwise I've, I've, I've adapted. Otherwise I've adapted, but that's one sound that, you know, that is something that I go, oh. Would, would, would love would love that right so I was up very active and then and then started to notice that my shoulder blade uh, was w winging out a bit and uh, you know our shoulder blades are covered by a quite thick piece of muscle that keeps it held down so when excuse me when my mom started to notice that it was winging out she thought oh this is strange and noticed it started to change to the other side within that same summer 
and the other uh, left shoulder blade also started to wing out. So that's when we went to, uh, to, the, to the hospital and uh, got diagnosed after that. Mm. And then at an end, you know, there's, there's a thought that once people know that they have a disease, um, that that's when they start going downhill, kind of like when you cut yourself and you don't notice, eh, it doesn't hurt. And then you look down and you go, ouch, that really hurts. I didn't. And it's kind of that same thing, right? Um, and especially at 12, you know, you don't quite have the wisdom or the mind over, you know, matter type of per- type of idea. So I really think that although it was a benefit to know what it was called, I think the progression of the disease sped up quite a bit after knowing what it was called. Um, there, it, There's a thought, too, that it was that it's actually linked to... Um, uh, puberty as well. So I would have been hitting that, which would also cause uh, uh, quite a decline at that time. And so now you've you, like, you're so passionate, you're so passionate. So you, you're a feisty kid, you're a tomboy and you get this, this kind of out of the blue diagnosis of muscular yeah. dystrophy, but yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't deter your passion. And now, um, you know, you're, you're, you're so passionate with what you're doing with stem cells for Bryn and it's exuded through these videos. So what is it that keeps you going? If you can tap into, I don't know, like you see, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to back up a little bit. The other day I had a friend over here and, for dinner and, um, she wanted to know how my project was going. And I said, well, I'm really excited because this week I get to interview this really, really cool woman in Ottawa and she said oh tell me more and I said well why don't we just sit here and watch her video oh cool which so, video was that by the way walking yeah. tall maybe is that yeah, the so one okay video yeah we were we watched that one and it was amazing now I've seen that video a few times but it was amazing watching her be pulled right into the computer with your story and at the end of it she had tears in her eyes and she looked at me and she said that woman is so inspiring. She's never lost her spirit. And so many of us would. So I want to talk about that. That's what I want to get at. I want to get at the essence of Bryn. I'm not sure at what point I decided to not let it take me down. Um, so I, I feel like I did it unconsciously. I feel like it happened and um, I didn't put any conscious effort into it until a, a little bit later in life. Being diagnosed at 12, I had innocence. I didn't know quite what the world was. I didn't see some of some of the negativity that exists in the world. Um, I hadn't had my heart broken. I hadn't been, you know, in too many scenarios like that. So I had that innocence on my side, which allowed me to um, stay positive through the whole thing and really look at it. Well, if it happens, it happens type of attitude. And I will, I will be there and work through it at that time. And, you know, staying kind of out of that conscious mind, which harbors all that negativity and that nattering brain that can kind of fill us with fears and um, confusion and lead us maybe down a path that's that's not so not so great not, not the greatest for our highest being really mm-hmm. and so it's staying out of that and kind of still trying to trust my intuition and living in that I think really allows me to 
constantly focus on all the good in my life. Um, if I wanted to, I could wake up daily and I could, I could focus on all the things I can't do. I could focus on all the things that give me, um, that give me a struggle that make it, that are hard for me that I have to do differently. Um, people looking at me differently, um, how I can't do things as fast. I could concentrate all those things. I'm aware of all those things, but I don't let them take me down. I don't let them, um, decide who I am and that I'm something more than just this vessel that is this body that has to do things differently. Um, I, you know, I try to stay in my heart as much as possible and show myself on a daily basis, you know, what are the good things that I can still do and what do, and all the things around me that bring me so much joy. Um, now I'm human and I have my days, sure, but um, those days are few and far between and they fly by because um, sometimes I think that people need to sometimes wallow a little bit and feel that, feel that sadness for themselves. It, it, it's, a, it's a loss, it's a loss, it's a grieving. Um, and I think that allowing that, that for yourself allows you to maintain some, some clarity in the good. Um, but it's just keeping that, keeping that on the straight and narrow and being able to decipher between the two, not getting lost in, in, in that wallowing for the, just for the time, you know, you know, just allowing that for the time to kind of let go of a few things, but not staying there, not becoming stagnant. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now you said so many things there. And I tell you, if you were in the room right now, I would give you a humongous hug. (laughs) So (laughs) so, I would accept it. (laughs) Imagine a a virtual massive long warm hug right now, because uh, I mean, that's so beautiful. So much wisdom, so much wisdom in that answer. And, you know, we talk a lot on this, on this podcast about exactly what you're talking about and you have just like you embody it you embody that faith and trust in your inner guidance you also accept the fact that we incarnated into these bodies to be feeling beings and that it's okay to feel crappy yes exactly because that's part of the human experience exactly and to not negate those feelings to just allow them to move and you know just allow that energy to just move through and you also talked about staying in your heart like no wonder you're so awesome (laughs) I mean you've you've nailed it as far as I'm concerned you've you have you've tapped into the meaning of life and that's you know living from inner guidance trusting that as your compass right accepting that we're feeling beings and also knowing that we come when we come from a heart-based place, lives our lives are just transformed. So yep. I am so grateful, deeply grateful. I'm on my knees bowing right now to you because you just summarized it so beautifully and so easily because that is the way you live your life. So yeah, I get it. I get it. Awesome. Great. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad I'm understood. Just joking. Totally understood. Yeah. It, yeah it, more than you could ever imagine. Uh, um, and I want to, uh, I'm going to go back to your video, that video that we were talking about walking tall. The video begins with a really powerful quote by Reggie White that states, God places the heaviest burden on those who can carry the weight. So when I saw that quote, I thought, wow, that is a very powerful quote. And I, I'd love if you could share 
what that means for you. Okay, so here it is, Deb. <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you, I had um, someone do the video for me, and they chose that. They brought it to me, and I liked it. I thought, oh, that really resonates with me because I, I feel that that's, that's, that's me. I, I'm, able to give the, I'm able to take this on, so therefore it was given to me so that I can progress, mm -hmm. right? Now, that was a few years ago, and I've, I've changed my view on it, okay? Here is my new view. My new view is that everyone has it in them to be able to handle anything that comes their way. Wow. Okay. And so I agree with that sentence and I, and I re it really resonated with me back, back in the day more. Now I've developed into the thought pattern of everyone can handle it. It's not just a me thing. Everyone has the power within them and everyone can do it. And whenever they're faced with obstacles, that is when you truly knew what, know what you're capable of. And if someone was in my situation, they would have to step up to the plate. Now, I understand that there's varying degrees of it, um, but everyone has, has the strength within that, they, that, that is there whenever they want to call upon it. They just need to tap into it. Mm -hmm. But it's there. It's just waiting to be called on. Wow, you need to do a revised version of that video because that's even more powerful. <laughs> You're sharing that wisdom again. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to go back to that same video because that <clears throat> that one, like, do you have any idea how powerful it is? Because it is it is really moving. Um, you said you said in the video you said something that I found so profound. You said, "When people see me, they feel sad." But what they don't realize is that everything is so much more beautiful to me. Right. So as we've already discussed, you know, so many people in, in your situation would identify with the muscular dystrophy. Like it would define who they are. Exactly. Which exactly. means that they would take on the role of a victim. Um, so I'm wondering if we could talk about this and what this means for you. Like if you could expand on this. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to what I had said there before, which was trying to focus on the little things, trying to focus on the little good things. Um, you know, playing a victim gives us sometimes what we need, and that's to be to feel important, to feel to get attention, um, and all of those things can feel good, getting attention, getting sympathy, and getting all those things. Now, it's for me, I'm sorry if I'm going off, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but... Just go so, for it, just flow. For me, I feel like um, every disability, every disease has its pluses. It has its benefits that gives the, the, the vessel, the person that, they're, that it's in... Um, some, some things that it, it doesn't want to let go of, right? For example, like I said, or like you said, playing the victim or being the victim or feeling like a victim, therefore, allows you to get sympathy, allows you to be the center of attention, and allows for, for, for people to maybe be a little bit easier on you because they know you're going through something difficult. 
um, hey, isn't isn't that great? If you were able-bodied person, wouldn't you be like, well, that's great. I get things a little bit more easier. Well, people have more sympathy. They're a little bit softer when they talk to me than they would. All those things are great, right? So that keeps people attached to that victim mm-hmm. way of thinking because it it does serve some positive, positive in air quotes, purpose mm-hmm. for them. Um, you know, and recognizing those, in my opinion, is the first way of just of, of overcoming them. I recognize, I recognize that. I recognize that there are some things that if I didn't have dis, a disability, I wouldn't get anymore, whether it's from, from people or from, from any situation. Um, but any, I still need to focus on all the good in order to combat that kind of victim mentality. So recognizing the things, the, the stuff that it serves me, but not getting tangled up in that because, again, getting tangled in that just means I'm asking the universe to continuously send it to me because I want it and I need it in order to be fulfilled, which is not the case. I recognize that those things are pluses about having the disease, but by no means do I want them to be my life. By no means am I going to focus on them. So therefore, what I ask the universe is what it will bring because I, I want to step outside of that and and become more and and heal and love my my body and get better ultimately. Hmm. Wow. Wow. And and oh my gosh, I wish all the victims could hear you speak right now cuz <laughs> I think what happens is when when people take on that role, when they identify with something outside of themselves, whether it is something like mus- muscular dystrophy or whatever the case may be, they don't realize how subconsciously disempowering it is either. And they move through the world in a way that is very, very limiting. Right. Um, and yes, you know, I mean, I think we're all guilty of, you know, taking on the victim role sure. every now and then. But as long as, like you say, it just kind of moves through us. It's like, exactly. yeah, okay. And it doesn't identify us, then then that's cool. Again, that's part of the human experience. Wow. Okay. Now, I want to talk about... Um, You've got you've got your website stem cells for Bryn and I'm really curious about stem cell therapy because I think it's still something that's not it's not it's not really really well known because you have to travel all the way to California for it and it's 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 kind of a shame that it's not in Ottawa because that's that's a long journey for you. So I'm wondering if you can explain to us what stem cell therapy is um, and how it works and how it's changing your life. Sure. Yes. Um, there's a few different stem cell therapies. And I think, um, I think the most common is, well, that people know about is uh, bone marrow for cancer. Okay. Um, that's usually the most common. Um, there's placenta stem cells. There's, there's many different treatments around stem cells. The particular one that I get is adult, adult stem cells, which means that we have thousands upon thousands of dormant stem cells in our fat tissues. And what they do is they will take them out via liposuction and then they activate them. Uh, they then pure, well, they purify them, activate them, and then they re-inject them intravenously, or in my case, in directly into muscles. And what are stem cells? Stem cell is basically, it's an unprogrammed cell. It can become um, lung tissue, it can become muscle, skin, 
you know, brain, it can become anything. It's an unprogrammed a programmed cell at this point. When the stem cells go into the body, um, the, the, the beacons of distress in our body, inflammation, calls out to the stem cells. Okay. And that's what they, they become, that, that tissue, so to speak. Oh, that's cool. Okay, so they activate them, and then they, they re-inject them intravenously, as you said. Right. And now, how, how does it work? So you just get a certain number um, that are taken out? Did they, I mean... Billions, yeah. Billions. Billions and billions. <laughs> okay. They've done, they've, done, um, they've done a study on COPD, which is a, a lung disease. And um, when they injected the stem cells into the body, they were able to see that the stem cells then kind of went to certain locations in the body, but all clustered in the lung. Wow. Okay. Right. So they, so they go in and they just, and they get, they, they go in and go to where they're needed, where the flags are. Right. That is very cool. So they have, well, I mean, it's not really a surprise that the cells have their own intelligence, but that is, that's really cool. So how long have you been doing this therapy and, and, you know, what sort of changes are you noticing? I've been doing it for, um, um, this was my sixth treatment and I get, uh, two every year. Okay two treatments every six months, rough. I'm going to be scaling that back a bit, probably to about every eight to 10 months. The first one that I noticed is, um, is, is that my the signals from my brain to my muscles were quicker. So um, I didn't realize that they weren't quick until I pulled up and I into, and I use this, this, this description every time or this, this example every time, because it was just so, cool to me and just like done without me even noticing until I, until I realized, well, that was what happened. I took the keys out of the ignition, pulled into the garage, took the keys out of the ignition. And usually I would sit there for a second and I would look at everything that I need to take in into the house. And I would say, okay, well, I'm going to do that. I'll carry this one. Well, I'll bring this out first and I'll do this, et cetera, et cetera. It more of a plan to how I was going to accomplish this time, I took the keys out of the ignition, grabbed the bags, and by the time I knew it, I was at the steps. And I went, what just happened there? It was like, all of a sudden, my brain was shooting off to all my nerves and all my muscles and saying, this is what we're going to do. Just get it done and let's go in. And I was saying to myself, is this how people without muscular dystrophy, you know, get it? That's so efficient, right? Because <laughs> I had never, I just thought that that was just, you know, you look at your stuff and you say, okay, I'm going to catch this in, instead of just doing it. But at this point it was like, nope, this, you're just going to do it and we're not going to think about it. And then you'll, and then I noticed it after it was already done. That was one of the, the first things that I, that I noticed that was really cool for me because it just made my life easier in the sense that I had more endurance because I didn't have to take that second to think about it. Mm. And my muscles were able to just get the response like, you know, you're going to do this and grab this and go instead of telling it almost consciously sitting there and going, okay, so I'll grab this. It was just done. Wow. Right. Um, Now that was one of the first things. Also, just noticing muscle mass in muscles that um, haven't been affected by the disease too, too much, already starting to get bigger and me starting to get more, um, like, sturdier, you know, like, kind of, like, more cemented into the ground type of thing. Um, Even noticing that, you know, I rarely fall, but I noticed that when I I did, 
the falls were almost like more quote unquote normal. <laughs> like they were falling with different, whereas before in the past it was, they were, it was, the falls were just completely different. And I kind of noticed, I was like, well, that's, that's, that's interesting. Noticing little pockets of muscle starting just in, it's all very cool. And it's all so new, so new to North America that it's, that I see the benefits for myself and wish that Canada would have it here and start on little kids. Well, start on everyone, but start on little kids and on, and on people that have just recently gotten diagnosed where the, where we can get this in and start helping them like ASAP, not, you know, 10 years later, like me, it's like, let's get this in and going and helpful. We know that it works. We see it. We've done it. There's a veterinarian clinic in um, the Southern Ontario that currently does and uses the same stem cell treatment on dogs for hip dysplasia. They use the Atostem, which is the, which is the component that activates the stem cells. They use all of that, the same that I get when I go to Santa Monica. They do that in Canada, in in Ontario, for dogs with hip dysplasia. They take it out of their, they take the stem cells out of their fat tissue, and then they reinject them with super results. Wow, and it's lasting, I would imagine too, because it's brand new tissue. That's right. wow. Okay, that sounds really exciting. So, yes. so, and it's even more exciting, you know, that you mentioned that you there was a ten year period where you didn't know about this, and still, despite that, it's still you're still noticing significant changes in your body. Oh yeah. So I'm just wondering now. You're going twice a year now. I realize it's there's a there's a big expense. I'm sure going and and there's the time and that it takes. Uh, would do you do you think that if it were available in Canada that and you could do it more frequently that it would expedite the situation or is there do, do the cells actually need the time to to do the work to repair to you know to do the repair work before you can have another treatment? They do need repair time. Okay. But they they that being said, um, they. They, do, they can, you can start seeing positive effects up to six months. So although they're going into the body, that doesn't mean that, for example, my job is done. So I need to still make sure that I'm eating healthy, that I'm exercising, that I'm creating the best habitat within my body for the stem cells. Um, you know, I can't, um, I need to make sure that I'm, I can't just get the stem cell treatment and then come back and sit on the couch and eat chips all day. I <laughs> None of us can, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> right? But that's so I need to make sure that I'm creating, you know, an environment that's, that's conducive to them, you know, mm-hmm. growing and, and, and excelling. My, the, I, since, since this isn't um, an exact science in the sense of MD hasn't been tested, I'm, I'm more of a... Of, of a of a trial and error here at this point, you know, in the sense that, well, there's no documented cases of this of anything with stem cells being, a, you know, a healer or, or getting rid of any sort of diseases. That's not that's not what I'm saying is going to happen. I'm not going to say that this is a cure, um, but I am saying that that it that it's helping me, and I'm being the guinea pig. I'm trying to figure out the best way 
that it could help in my case, muscular dystrophy. Hence why, you know, not two treatments ago, I got 600 needles. I decided I wanted 600 needles and I wanted them injected directly into my muscle tissue. Um, per, uh, upon further, you know, ref, you know, looking at it further, I noticed that maybe it's going into certain muscle fibers, but it isn't spreading to the entire muscle itself. Mm, okay. So there's certain things. So again, I, I, you know, I'm seeing that I'm seeing the benefits, but I'm trying to learn here, and so I can bring it back to people and and share with them my my knowledge of 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 what actually is the best way to do it. That's awesome. I mean, that takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of inner strength to, first of all, you know, be open to something that is so new and hasn't been done and to also be willing to be the the test subject. So, okay. So on the topic of courage, I mean, that it's pretty evident that you've, you're not lacking in that department. (laughs) <laughs> so um now and we've talked about the days when you know things are kind of a little bit funky so how do you find your way back to to that courage and strength when you have those days that are you know that are off days where you find yourself kind of falling down that you know that mental trap that we all fall into where life just kind of sucks yeah there's I have two ways of doing that. There's two ways and it depends on, on what I need, what my body needs, what my heart needs, what I need to express in that moment in time. The two, the two ways that kind of really, um, get it out of my system are sometimes I laugh. Sometimes I laugh. Sometimes I fall and I laugh and it, and it's not, and it's not a laugh of frustration. It's a, this is so silly. Not going to look at it in any other way, but this is so silly. I, I just fell on the, on, fell on the floor and the cats just walked by me like, oh, what are you doing down there? Do, 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 do. I was like, well, if you were a dog, you'd come over and see if I was okay. That <laughs> That's so true. Right? I said, that makes me laugh. Oh, you're on the floor. Okay, well, I guess whatever. Anyways, do, to do, to do. But that, and that makes me laugh. Finding the humor in the situation is sometimes what I need in order to just recognize the situation and see, you know, the crappiness of it at that time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then sometimes I need to yell and I need to cry and that's what needs to come out and whatever the emotion is, I allow it to happen because I don't want to stop it from coming out because any emotion we express is just, is, is, is helping us. It's, it's, yeah, it's just generally is helping us. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm screaming and I'm crying, then therefore that's something that I don't want to be trapped inside. I want it out and gone. I want to expel it so that I can then ground myself again and refocus on what I need, where I need to be and what I want to see my life as, right? If I, I, you know, it's just constantly reminding myself, you're the only one here, Bryn. You're the only one in this body. You're the only one living this life. So either you can make it miserable or you can make it happy. So again, going back to what we had spoken about is, we're humans and we get those days when we just poor me, ugh, everything sucks. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's okay. It's just bringing yourself back to recognizing you have the power to be who you want to be and to be your own happiness and allowing yourself to be those things and to be in that negative and to be in that happiness just allows you to be you and keep kind of on, on, on the path of success 
you know, instead of saying, well, no, you need to do, you need to be this way and correcting yourself constantly. It's like all my emotions, all my feelings are okay. I'm okay to feel this way. I'm allowed to feel this way. I'm going to allow myself to feel this way so that I can then continue on this path of success and see all the good. But if I stop that emotion from coming out, then I'm living in it. I'm keeping it inside me when I want it gone so that I can just remind myself of all, of all the happiness that surrounds me and all, you know, and all, all the good things, whether that's the sun coming out or whether that's the green grass, whether that's you, you see someone pick something up off the floor for someone, whether you see someone help someone across the street, whatever it may be, just look at those things and feel it. Don't bring it into your mind and say, well, that was really nice of someone to do. Bring it into your heart and feel it. And then know that will just replenish you and keep replenishing you. Oh. <laughs> There's another hug coming. <laughs> oh. It's accepted. <laughs> wow. That is a fantastic answer. Fantastic answer. You and I are like on the same frequency. A beautiful answer. And you know, this is actually, I think this is a great way, a great place to kind of segue into another question that just came up for me because you're talking so much about just being you and expressing whatever the truth of your experience is in that moment. So What's come up for me is I would love if you could expand on what an authentic life looks like for you, because it sounds like you're already there, like you're already talking about authentic expression. Let's go a little deeper into this. So what do you mean by authentic? Authentic meaning? Authentic to me? Authentic to you. So, so I mean, you were talking about how, um, you know, how some people will, will, Try and be something that they're not. And that's something that's so prevalent in today's society is that we've lost our sense of self, but you haven't, you haven't, you, you, you're like, it's really obvious that you're really tapped into who you are, that authentic core of your being. So, you know, hopefully I'm expressing this well, but what, what does that, you know, what does that look like for you? Obviously it's expressing yourself truthfully in the moment um, you know, and it's recognizing the, you know, the, the absurdity of the situation sometimes, but what, you know, let's go a little deeper into this. Yeah. And I would say it's, it's also just letting people be people and trying to rein in the judgment that mm. we often can have in order to make ourselves feel better. Uh, I'm going to judge you, but really I'm judging me, but I don't realize that, but I'm going to judge you because it makes me feel like I have someone else who's, who's here in the shadows with me. Mm. You know, I'm going to say that I'm going to make fun of someone else because it's going to make me feel better. Um, you know, trying to trying to let everyone be who they are, whether you agree with it or not, is is truly the essence of being happy. Because once you stop judging others, then you stop judging yourself. And mm-hmm. we, the more we judge others, we think that we're making ourselves feel self feel better, but in reality, we're really. Um, we're really making ourselves feel more lonely, in my opinion. I think that um, the more the, you can't say something negative about someone else and assume that that's all there was. You just said that in, in, in passing, and there it goes. I think that um, you know, carrying that that negativity, you carry it inside. And I think ultimately, um, when there's no one around to criticize, then ultimately you're going to criticize yourself. And um, I think that um, I think that that's. I think we all do it, 
I think that we we try to to not to not do it, and we consciously try to to tell ourselves that oh that that's mean. Some of us and some of us may not. And I think that the reminder of living in your heart and letting people be people, as long as it's not harmful to you, harmful to others. As long as they people can dress whichever they, way they want, they can talk however they want. It's it's by you know looking outside, you're avoiding looking in, mm, and mm-hmm. right and yes, and, right. And it's kind of like so looking. So we want to constantly look outside, but that's because we don't want to look in. And once you're comfortable enough to look in and admit to yourself. The, the things about yourself that you don't like, you know, oh, well, I oh, I'm, I don't get snappy with people. Oh, I'm not a know-it-all. That's our instant. Our instant reaction is to say, well, no, I'm not this. But what about if you actually took a step back and took your ego out of it for two minutes mm-hmm. and really thought about it? Maybe you are those things. And being a know-it-all doesn't have to be bad. It, we don't have to label everything in these two you know, columns of good and bad. Oh, well, you're this way, so then you're bad. Oh, she's so outspoken. Like, I mean, geez, she's so blunt. Well, does that have to be bad? No, not necessarily. It's it's, it's the way we see it. It's the way people deliver it. it. It's kind of like, let's stop putting these these black and white labels on everything and let's just start loving it everything negative and positive right like if, if you're if you're a know-it-all if you if you the more you suppress it the more it's going to come out in in these in these you know in these circumstances that maybe aren't the best or that can be viewed as you know uh, offensive to people but as soon as we accept that we're a know-it-all or or what, whichever whatever you you think you are um is the time when you own it and therefore it doesn't it's not trying to scream it's not trying to get out it's not, it, it's, it's, it's accepted. Oh, this is who I am. And then therefore it becomes calm, it becomes calm. And it becomes just like every other characteristic and trait of yourself instead of this. Well, no, you know, I've, I've grown up and, you know, my mom told me that know-it-alls are bad, for example. So that you suppress that, suppress that and suppress that because you were told your whole life, you know, uh, well, no, I'm not supposed to be a know-it-all because know-it-alls are bad. Well, are they bad? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. It's all, it's all about what, how it is and how, how it's, how it's brought forth and, and what you allow it to be. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about the labeling and as you were speaking, you know, uh, you were talking initially about judgment and I thought, gosh, you know, labeling is a form of judgment. I never really put that together, but it really is because if we're labeling something, we're judging it. Right. You know, it, it, and judgment is just such a pervasive problem in today's society. And I mean, we're all guilty of it. It's just uh, like you said, do we suppress it or do we express it? You know, yeah. and, and expressing it is like, is, is, is a release. It's like, oh gosh, okay. I, that sucks. I really, I, you know, I judge somebody and that's, I'm wrong. That's that, you know, that doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if you have the conscious awareness, you can go, okay, why, why did that happen? What is it about me that I'm judging, you know, right. through that person? And, and it really just enhances your life. And you're right. It calms down. It totally calms down. The more you express it, the more you express it and acknowledge that you're doing so, like you said, like, oh, I just judged that person is, is, is you on the road to accepting it. 
Yes. It's accepting that of, of who you are, right? Because no one wants to look at the things that we're doing that could potentially hurt someone else. Mm-hmm. No one wants to look at something that's about themselves that could be that could be labeled labeled as mean, for example, right? No one wants to look at any of those things, um, but therefore those things get suppressed, whether it's through you know society guidelines or how you grew up or wh- whichever the case may be. There's these ideas of things, and so I could say, oh well, no, I wouldn't care if someone called me fill in the blank. And then you could, you could say, oh, that would really bother me. That would, so we're all so different. We've all had our own experiences that these, that, that these labeling these things black and white and labeling them right or wrong. We're all different. We're Mm -hmm. all humans. We've all experienced different things. So to label something as normal, as abnormal, as right, as wrong, who's to, who's to say, who, who made that judgment? Who made that call? Let's just accept everything. And let people be who they are because, frankly, they're on their own journey. Mm-hmm. And you have no idea what that journey is. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. But focus on yourself instead of focusing at words. Yes. That is a, that is a very simple, profound, and challenging piece of wisdom. Mm. Yeah. Challenging it's indeed. Yeah. Challenging because we always want to get ourselves, you know, intertwined in other people's business and uh you know and and (laughs) I would be I would be lying if I said that I'm not guilty of that myself but I've reached a point in my life that uh I can see when it's happening now and that it because I you know because it's expressed and I have the conscious awareness now it's like ooh, okay and I can backpedal now (laughs) and apologize and for me, I think it's it's real. It's not running on on default. Like, yes. don't try not to run on on this on this drone default zombie. This just this usual you know state of being. Try to be aware of all your actions and your thoughts. And once you do that, then you can catch yourself. Like you said, mm-hmm. when you catch yourself, you can change it. Exactly. That conscious awareness is incredibly empowering. So uh, now let's talk about inspiration because you are, you're, you're so inspiring. And as, as we're talking, I'm just being more and more inspired by, by your words and so grateful that somebody, you know, so young has so much wisdom to share. And let's talk about what, uh, what does um, an inspired life of purpose and meaning look, look like for you? Like you've talked about what authentic expression is so but you're it's really obvious that you are on your purpose with what you're doing for yourself as a test subject for for stem cells and you seem you know when you talked about it you're so passionate you're so knowledgeable and you really want to help others so let's let's take this a little further um i i I want to help others and I want others to help themselves. Hmm. I want to be there to help people, um, people go inside and really get their own individual strength. I don't want to be their strength for them. Hmm. And, um, I, cause like I said, I think that people have the strength within them and, um, I would love to help people find that in, inner strength through watching my story, through hearing me speak 
because I think that once you find your your inner strength, then it it will help you on many platforms of your life, not only just if you have a mental or physical disability, but um, even just you know in your day to, your day to day life, whether it's whether it's some sort of um, debacle at work or whatever the case may be. And um, I I feel like um, giving someone that kind of power for me would would be so would just would just feel so great because then that's something that they can pass on they can help others mm. um you know this the stem cells we are we are 10 to 15 years out for even like human trials in canada and said this once and i'll say it before it is too long it's too long for any of us who are now dealing with any sort of you know disease or or injury crippling injury um, it's too far. It's too far out, and I understand that we need to um, we need to go through you know proper steps in order to get to those stages. But we really, we really, as as a country, need to to stand behind stem cells. We really need to donate to stem cells. We really need to back them up because it is the wave of the future. It is something that will help many different people suffering from many different ailments and injuries. Um, it, they're being done all over the world and we need we need to step up to the race line here we need to really start uh, start start our, our journey and we as a people need to stand behind that and really start pushing it um, we're the only ones can make that can make this go faster um, I'm trying but I need others to stand behind me we need people to rally we really need to start getting more funding towards this and really, and, and really, um, and re really start to push it. We want this. We, you know, yeah, there's drugs out there. There's, there's, there's medical drugs out there. There's all kinds of things like that, that people are on, but let's start going with something that can lead more to helping someone's life and not medicating it. Let's help. Let's start getting something that's going to bring people into their own independence uh, you know, and I'm not by any means bashing um, any any you know medical drugs, but what I'm saying is that we need other avenues. We need to start stop putting band aids on things and start to actually change things. Yes, and this it sounds so progressive. I did a little more research um, on stem cells, and not only is it have I noticed that it it can really really help people with so many different diseases and ailments but it's also something that um from what i what i've seen is that it can actually eliminate the need for or with the perceived need for animal research as well right which is fantastic because that means that there's so many other beings who are being um you Harm. know yeah. yeah, there's so many other beings harmed for, for all these archaic ways when there's something as progressive as this that can help so many, so many. Well, and that's the thing, too, is we're utilizing our own stem cells. We're utilizing the individual stem cells that have yet to be programmed. Therefore, we have no fear of rejection. Oh, that's so, so yes, awesome. So, so we don't need to test on monkeys and on rabbits and all these other things. You know, Ricky Gervais said it best when he had said, don't get soap in your eyes. It stings. Now can we stop testing on animals? Yes. Right? Um, and it's true. It's kind of like at what point here do we, 
You know, can we can we stop some of these, like you said, archaic ways? Right, we're in 2014. It's it's time to change some of these ways that, frankly, have brought us good, but are now done. We need to define some new ways. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm I'm really grateful that you have courageously. Well, you are courageously blazing a new trail and you know I'm hoping that through this interview that lots like we get thousands of thousands and thousands of listeners who who rally in your camp as well I'll be there yes thank you so much (laughs) I, I, I appreciate that appreciate that um you know we've been talking about so many empowering things and uh you are you're such a gift in that you you're a role model for so many with how you inspire. And, you know, you, you, by inspiring, you're helping so many as well. And I'm wondering if you could invite listeners to do just one thing or maybe a couple of things, you know, in their own lives that could make a difference to empower themselves and by default others, what would it be? Oh, Saving the saving the most heavy question for the last, eh? <laughs> well, I follow I follow it with a fun one. <laughs> okay, I forgive you then. Just... Um, okay, well, I'm gonna say this again, just because I can't stress it enough. Just to 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 live live in your heart, to be in your heart, to remind yourself of. Um, of the love that you have to remind yourself of how much you love yourself. Um, the word of the day is love really, um, love others, love yourself. It, it love, love, you know, and crying and all that thing is, it can, oh, it's, that's a weakness, right? It's weakness. You want power, you want strength. That makes you, no, love is stronger than all of those things. Um, love is being in your heart makes you the, the, makes you the rational one sees if you know doesn't make a situation elevate it loving yourself makes you feel powerful in the sense that it makes you feel good it makes you feel like when you go into a room that you feel good about yourself that everyone you command the attention in a good way in a way that people want to flock to you because they see your light they want to be in your bubble they want to be with you um that is way more than scaring scaring someone through power and strength into being your friend or being around you. Being in a state of love is really is really the the, the strongest, most powerful thing out there. Um, and you know, loving yourself in whatever body you're in is the key to it. You know, loving everything about yourself truly loving everything about yourself and someone may say well I'm not I don't love myself because I have this that and the other thing I don't love myself because I have to use a wheelchair for example I've thought of that about my myself before in the past I've thought of that thought about that when I oh well, I don't really love myself because I don't love the way my body looks oh well, I don't love myself because I don't like my teeth or whatever the case may be right the list goes on we've all thought of that we've all come down on ourselves about something and that leads you to not to not love yourself. And ideally, once you take that back and start loving everything, all your little all your little things that you've judged and that you've not liked, love themselves, love them 
because others will love them as well. If you don't love them, then you're only going to think that other people don't when that's not the case. Wow. <laughs> There's another hug coming. <laughs> wow. Okay. I... <laughs> So I'm sending one where we're in a, we're in a huge energetic embrace right now. No kidding. I don't think it's ever ended actually. It just kind of, <laughs> the volume got, kind of goes up and then down a little bit up and down, but it's like, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's on high for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> tangible at this, at this, even though we're, we're so far away from each other. It's tangible. Yeah. Good. Okay. Last question. Yes. This one taps into your imagination. So if you had a magic wand and could wave it over the planet, what kind of world would you create? Hooey! I would, I would create a world of acceptance. Um, that acceptance is so broad that I think that it was, it, it, I think that it would, it, it, accepting others would mean that you would accept yourself and I think that just generally accepting everything means that uh, there, there's there's no struggles against everything because everything's accepted, right? Now, now by that I mean you know acceptance of all all good, acceptance of all things that are pure, that come from the place of of the heart of of goodness that all help our our higher being help us to be better people. Um, that's what I mean by acceptance. I should, I should clarify that. Not accepting all the negative things in the world, but accepting all of who, who allowance of everyone to be who they are. I think that that's, that's, that's one thing that I, that, I would, that I would think that we need to have in this world. Absolutely. Wow. You know, if it, doesn't, if it doesn't concern you, if it, I mean, like if it doesn't affect your life and it's not harmful and someone wants to live a certain way, then... Um, it, it, it's none of your business, really. They're allowed to do that if they're not harming others, themselves, or you. Then you have to accept it, and that and that and that just that stops you from having a judgment and opinion about something that you have no business having a judgment or opinion about. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. You are beautiful, Bryn. Thank you. I really, 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 really really enjoyed this you're great you're like a little ball of sunshine honestly i i thoroughly enjoy this and i really appreciate you spreading my message thank you thank you well so are you you know what they say we're reflections of one another right right (laughs) yeah thank you thanks so much i enjoyed it There you go. Another awesome interview with wonderful nuggets of wisdom to inspire you to live as the best version of yourself in a way that inspires others to do the same. And I highly encourage you to watch Bryn's YouTube video titled Walking Tall. And when you see this video, I guarantee that you'll be even more inspired by the joy for life that this beautiful young woman exudes. And it's going to motivate you to live even more fully yourself. So I'll be posting a direct link to this video in the show notes on my website at debelzarco.com. And I'll also have a direct link to Bryn's website where you can learn more about her work with stem cell therapy and where you can also keep tabs on her upcoming book, which is going to be out in the new year. 
And Bryn is also going to be speaking on November 3rd at an I Am Possible mother-daughter conference. Again, there's going to be a direct link to this event in the show notes on my website at devilsarco.com. Now, your weekly challenge. Bryn said it repeatedly throughout the interview that we all have the power to be who we want to be in life. And I couldn't agree more. It's really true. And you don't need to necessarily have some kind of horrific event, tragic event, uh, or uh, sudden disease snap you into an awakening, okay? Do it now because there is no time like the present. And when we get out of the way with our fantasy fears, and that's what they are, they're fantasy fears. There's nothing truthful about them. And I bet you anything that all of the fantasy fears or a lot of the fantasy fears that you've ever harbored in life have never come to fruition. So that's what they are. They're fantasy fears, psychological fears, okay? Like a real fear is if you're uh, staring at somebody who's pointing a bazooka at you. That's a real genuine fear. But, you know, fear of, I don't know, whatever it is that you're afraid of that's preventing you from being great, that's just, it's an illusion, okay? Get rid of that. So when we get out of the way with these fantasy fears, expansion and growth is the only option. And that's why we exist. That's why we were birthed into this world. We were birthed into the world to be awesome. Not to be living in the shadow of smallness, excuses, and fear, but to be great, to be loving, and to be kind. And when I talk about great, that doesn't necessarily mean rich and famous. I'm not talking about that. I mean, There's a lot of people who are rich and famous and they think they're great, but they live miserable lives. What I'm talking about, it great for me means living as light, okay? So Bryn spoke a lot about being in your heart. So for me, being in your light is living in your heart. And that's what this whole podcast is about, shifting the paradigm from head to heart. So we stop thinking and we embody who we're meant to be by living from that feeling place inside the heart. So it means shining your heart into the world without filtering. Okay. It means being you, like really you, not what others think you should be, should in air quotes, but being who you know you are meant to be. So this week, I invite you to tell yourself the truth about who you are truly meant to be. Get out of the cultural conditioning. Whatever your parents said, whatever your friends say, whatever people say, or how they try to keep you small, bypass that because it's crap anyway, okay? So close your eyes, slow down your mind, go into the silence, and let your soul speak to you. Like really feel it, embody it, become it, and you'll never regret it. And when the fear emerges, just acknowledge it, accept it, that's just a part of the human condition. I, I'm still prone to fear as well, but whenever the fear comes up for me, I know that it's a green light from my soul to pursue what's beyond the fear. So accept it, breathe into it, and allow it to transform itself into rocket fuel for greatness. Because the world needs you to live as the greatest expression of you possible. And there's a really serious urgency for authentic expression. Because when we express ourselves authentically, status quo is, it dies. That's the end of it. Okay? I mean, most people are just conforming to some stupid paradigm that is toxic. And that's what this 
damn status quo is all about. So I need you to snap up, wake up, wake up, wake up fully, embrace who you're meant to be and do it now. You'll be doing yourself a favor. You'll be doing everyone a favor. This whole world will be rejoicing in your coming out as the greatest expression of you possible. I guarantee it. And we, we, you know, there's, there's probably going to be the small little itty bitty shitty committee saying, oh, you know, one person doesn't make a difference. Get over that. Okay. That's garbage too. Crap, 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 crap. All the stuff that you hear that you think is normal or common or, um, average that it is, it's crap. It's garbage. It's, that's why it's normal and average. Okay. You want to be great. You want to come from a place that's natural, not normal. And great is natural. Mediocre is normal. And it's boring. So there you go. That's your weekly kick in the butt to move you towards a better you. We need you. And with that, I end another Unplugged podcast. May we continue to open our hearts on our evolutionary journey of awakening to the point where our heads can no longer make sense of it all. As always, I thank you so much for listening. And I ask you to remember, live with passion, live with purpose, change the world.